0: Welcome to Film Inquiry The Latest. This is a podcast series tackling the latest movie news, movie trends, and movie releases. I'm your host, Jesse Nussman. And this week, riding in on a magical space goat as she travels across the Rainbow Bridge back in the United States, Bailey Jo Josie.
1: Hello. Yes. I would scream like the goats but I would immediately start laughing just as I did in the theater. Uh, I've been
0: prepping book. all week for like, I had that joke in, in the back pocket <laughs> and was like 10 bucks. She's just going to go. Bah!"! On, I, on microphone. Oh, but I can't
1: do that to your ears. I'm sorry. Maybe at the end. Uh, but no, that, that, that'll be how we
2: send her. Send it. Yeah. <laughs> oh
1: my God. The, the goats were literally my favorite part, but I also love goats and I wish I had pet goats again. But yeah, that was great <laughs> great you just set
0: up your own goat yoga studio in, in your apartment
1: i wish that would be that would be the greatest homecoming gift to have two little goats that i can also name well their nordic names are impossible to pronounce for me a dumb american but the english translation of their name in the comics is tooth nasher and tooth grinder <laughs> fun yeah, something on that. There's a reason they don't give them names in the movie.
0: <laughs> so if you haven't figured out yet, this week we're discussing Thor, Love and Thunder. The, I don't even know what number we are on at this point of MCU movies, but the the fourth standalone adventure with Chris Hemsworth's Thor. It's the second one now that's been directed and at least partially written by Taika Waititi, the New Zealand comedy director um let's just get into it what yeah. what did what did you you think of this latest in, latest adventure with our everyone's favorite norse god
1: yeah it's it's interesting like i it, i don't think it was great um i had a lot of problems with it but i still had fun and kind mm-hmm. of at this point post endgame that's kind of all i ask for with a marvel movie um Like I had a really great time, but I was disappointed in a lot of like what transpired on the screen. Um, Yeah, like I'm just kind of like, ah, it could have been so much better, but I still laughed and I still like cried a little and I loved the goats. And the two goats and they're screaming automatically, whatever I end up scoring it, that adds a star and a half. (laughs) 70 point 75 percent of a star each
0: <laughs> okay yeah. um yeah i'm quite mixed on this um yeah. i i and i should say i i quite enjoyed ragnarok the yes. the first uh thor movie that taika waititi directed um what are, what are your general thoughts about like taika waititi in in general you know he's someone who's it feels like he's everywhere these mm-hmm. these days and um you know before Doing a Thor movie was doing these um you know very cool, kind of whimsical and and sweet, but still had kind of a tinge of sadness to them um yeah, comedies fighting, yeah, over in New Zealand, stuff like boy and what we do in the shadows which is now blossomed into this very successful and beloved television series here in the states and Hunt for the Wilder people, and then he does this Thor movie and that kind of catapults him into the mainstream status um bringing his kind of signature brand of humor to that movie and from there does jojo rabbit a movie i'm not particularly fond of but wins him an oscar and now is involved in producing all these various projects like you know i'm sure he's a producer on the what we do in the shadows show he's a producer on other series like um reservation dogs and what's what's the pirate one the hbo max our flag uh, meets means death is that what it's death, called yeah yeah and he's doing like vocal performances in movies like light year he's directing episodes of the mandalorian so he's he's just someone who's kind of like since directing a Thor movie is now kind of sp- spread all across the culture and yeah. is has his finger in sort of like a variety of different mediums at this point
1: can't forget that he was the original rat catcher in the suicide squad
0: oh yeah oh yeah forgot about that because he dies of a
1: heroin overdose (laughs) yeah he's literally everywhere (laughs) um i i'm a very big fan of his um i i think the first thing i watched was hunt for the wilder people Mm -hmm. and then um it was either that or what we do in the shadows, but like very, very big fan. And he does another one called, uh, I think it's shark and Eagle.
0: Yeah. That's the one I've not seen, which I believe is his, his very first feature.
1: Yeah. It's like, it's very early. And I remember reading reviews of that and being very intrigued and putting it on my watch list for, I guess now 15 years and never getting the chance to see it. But, um, I really enjoy all his work and I've I I did just watch JoJo Rabbit for the first time and I enjoyed it. Okay. Uh, yeah, and I I'm a little I'm a little I'm very interested in why other people don't like it, but he has a very very uh cool perspective on filmmaking and comedy mm-hmm. that I really enjoy. So I'm really perplexed by where what went wrong with Thor 4, <laughs> you know?
0: Yeah, so I think probably I'm going to try and do my best to kind of summarize the plot for this movie. I as as I was watching it, I was not confused except for maybe one bit that we'll get into later, but um feel free to jump in and correct me because I feel like as with all Marvel stuff at this point, it's kind of like a word salad of tons of context and stuff at this point yeah. and is like if you haven't seen this 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 and this, you might not understand what I'm talking about. So, essentially since the events of avengers endgame thor has been traveling the universe with the guardians of the galaxy who we sadly only get in a very brief kind of opening sequence um sort of aimless searching for purpose in the universe and then him and his rock sidekick korg who's also voiced by taika waititi are called back to new asgard the which which is now like a touristy magical Nordic village somewhere in scandinavia and, and is Valkyrie ruled, is king right is ruled by tessa thompson's character from the previous thor movie valkyrie and thor has been summoned back there because of christian bale's character in this movie who is the villain named gore the god butcher who is on a one man uh reign of terror he is out to rid the universe of all gods and simultaneously, as all that is happening, Natalie Portman's character, who we haven't seen really since the no. second Thor movie. I mean, I guess she had, like, a very brief, small, like, blink and you miss her appearance in in-game. Um, But played kind of Chris Hemsworth's love interest in the first two Thor movies. She is now being brought back to the series. And is... You know what? I'm just going to say spoilers because I don't know where, again, this is the kind of thing of like, I don't know what constitutes a spoiler for people. So if you don't, if you want to know nothing about this movie.
1: Yeah. I think turn it off. <laughs> I, I think the cancer thing has not been in any of the marketing. Nope. So but there I, it
0: is. <laughs>
1: I, I, I think it's fair to say that it's, this is a spoiler full zone. Yes. Uh, yeah. She's got stage four cancer. They don't yes. say what kind, but I don't think they really need
2: to. No.
0: Um. So she is dying of cancer and is, uh, gets a magical calling to new Asgard. And part of that calling has to deal with Thor's former hammer that he is like shattered in pieces. Yeah, and yeah. <laughs> yes, <laughs> I'm not going to be able to pronounce a lot of this Nordic stuff. I've, I just got to say that ahead of time. And so she's able to reconstruct that hammer and – the power of thor flows through her and she becomes uh, a character from the comics called mighty thor which is essentially a female version of thor and her thor and tessa thompson's character valkyrie along with korg head out across the the across universe movies. to to stop uh christian bale's character from eliminating all the the gods yeah did did, did i do a good job at yeah at it's summarizing very that Okay. Yeah. Okay.
1: <laughs> uh I there's a lot that goes on in between, but yeah, that's basically it. And there's like kidnapping. Right, and... there's some
0: children that are kidnapped, some little like magical god children. Yeah. Um, you know, there's a a brief interlude where they go to a a kind of god ga- <laughs> a god conference. Yeah. And Russell Crowe appears as Zeus. Who, um, I Loved thought him the Zeus. I thought the funniest comparison was David Sims at the Atlantic described him as a horny Greek diner owner. Um, which I thought so was Zeus. very appropriate. Yes,
1: Zeus, like yeah.
0: <laughs> yes, this is the guy that <laughs> owns like the the kind of like dilapidated Greek diner in your neighborhood that you know. No one really knows what's in the falafel, but it's yeah. been there for years. <laughs> Zeus um, will
1: turn into whatever being he needs to to seduce any <laughs> woman. Which fun <laughs> in the in the newer Wonder Woman comics, he seduces. Mm-hmm. Uh, he turns into a truck driver to seduce to seduce this one woman. So he'll do anything to take a crack at it.
0: <laughs> so maybe this is a time to now kind of dive into sort of what works and what doesn't work in this i think my biggest problem with this movie is maybe a good comparison some after i went to the press screening i had a lot of people texting me with just like saw i guess on my letterbox or my instagram that i went to the press screening and -hmm. were just like how was it how was it and the quickest explanation i think i gave was sort of it feels like off of the commercial success of thor ragnarok and how beloved that movie was um disney and marvel essentially just gave taika waititi a a looser leash and and basically we're just like have at it do more that what you just did but more and so this is a movie that is it's wackier it's goofier it is more jam-packed with jokes like mile a minute than even thor ragnarok was and it is taking even broader swings in terms of tone but it in a way it is sort of like more but in a more in a way that is kind of like messier and feels like the movie is kind of flying by the seat of its pants the whole time (laughs) and i would not know i I would not say i didn't fully dislike this movie there are certainly bits of it that i thought were very funny and then there were it's, it's not quite cons- as consistent I think as the previous Taika Waititi Thor both in kind of the humor what I was getting out of like some stuff's very funny some stuff really does not land and there are a lot of reoccurring jokes here so jokes that do not land the first time often come back around for a, like second or third uh, bite at the apple um, but even I think kind of like tonally and as like a feat of construction and storytelling this even feels really ramshackled together compared to the previous thor movie that taika waititi made
1: oh yeah for sure like i mean like i i'm big into comic books and stuff and gore the god Mm. butcher is a huge character like a huge villain um and like i mean i could go into it but uh i don't know but like it is it's a much it is- darker
0: character in uh, in the the com- like i had a couple of friends who are really into marvel comics that like when that was announced as the villain they were like that's interesting cuz that's a yeah. very very like insanely dark character in the comics
1: yeah and he's he's honestly pretty revolutionary because yeah he wants to murder all the gods and i really i did like the opening cuz it is very mm-hmm. much like almost almost like the comic except you know it's a son instead of a daughter um and then you know there's obviously more to it but uh it's such a good character and christian Biel, i mean he nails it every time i mm-hmm. think anyway i'm a big fan of his but i i personally think gore with this story because the overall story is jane mm-hmm. and thor's love for each other i don't think it was right for it so i think like uh, I think it. They should have used a different villain, just because, like, in the comics, Gore. What happens with Gore is that you know he's defeated, but his ideals um, continue on, and they cause Thor to become unworthy. He loses Mjolnir and his arm, and then Jane becomes Mighty Thor. In the comics, it's literally like this leads to this leads to this which i don't think they can do in the movie but i don't think they should have if they're not going to go with that they shouldn't have intertwined it as much as they did for this like because i think the strongest part is the love story
0: interesting i yeah i i think portman and hemsworth have good chemistry and and i'm with you i i enjoyed the bale performance quite a bit even though it feels like he is sort of beamed in from a totally different movie it is what you expect of a christian bale performance and that it is insanely dedicated serious method acting uh christian bale um but i the, the thing it reminded me of the most kind of walking out of it was um danny devito as the penguin in batman returns (laughs) in that there's something really intense and kind of like gross and like really unsettling but also kind of cartoonish and funny about like how over the top it is um one of the the bits that the bit that actually made me laugh the hardest in the movie is there there's a whole subplot of this movie where he's kidnapped all of these children Mm -hmm. and there's a bit where he's sort of like appears to the (laughs) children in this very very like spooky way and the sort of freaks out the kids and he tries to charm them but is like like a snake kind of rises from the floor and he's like hey kids do you want to i forget what he calls the snake but he's like do you want to meet my friend snaky and the kids are like uh sure and christian bale rips the head off of this snake and then like throws it at the kid and is laughing and the kids are freaking out and it's 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 like the same kind of like slight meanness but sort of humor of like a dad that puts on like a way too scary halloween mask and go downs goes downstairs yeah. and like jumps out of a closet in front of his kids like it it i enjoyed how insanely committed he was to this like kind of cartoonish villain and and there being this sort of match between there's something kind of goofy and kind of absurd about his character, but the utter seriousness and and willing to kind of be scary in a few yeah. like like way more sinister than most Marvel movies are are allowed to be, I feel like um was was something I he is probably the thing that I enjoyed the most. Um, watching the movie if that makes sense.
1: Yeah, like he he did a great job, and it was it was very interesting. But it's almost like it's such a serious character. Mm. Um, and the Thor movies, like before Ragnarok, was like, ooh, it's too serious. It's not like entertaining enough. And so it's like, all right, well, so we got to make Gore, you know, this kind of like almost like a sinister clown type, um, right? And I. I feel like that's not the correct way to go about with that story because Mm -hmm. a big thing that made Ragnarok so great was the underlying colonialism of Asgard, which I just rewatched all the Thor movies. That is there. Like, you know, someone calls out Odin or in some type of way of like, you know, being a murderer, (laughs) you know, doing this, this and that. And I was, what's great about Gore's whole thing is literally like, you know kill your gods and it's like oh that'll be so cool but it's like i feel like i guess that's too much for disney and i feel like that really hobbles what could have been and that and what's interesting what you said earlier it's like i feel like this is the least white taika Waititi movie he's made it's definitely his worst movie he's directed and it's like compared to all his other movies that have very good direction very good writing it's like It's almost like, what is this, like, Frankenstein of, like, of, like, what is it? A dolly. What is that AI thing people, everyone's doing? Oh,
0: is it the, is it the... The, like, the, exhibits where you go in, there. there's, like, the Van Gogh one or something. Is that what you're talking about, where you go and it's, like, no, plastered no. on the wall or something?
1: No, it's, like, an AI meme thing where you put oh, in yes, whatever. yes. I know what you're talking about. And then it makes an AI makes it. It's called a dolly. Like, okay, like a dolly, yeah. but a dolly. And I feel like it's, like, a dolly movie of a Waititi, like, you know, uh, vehicle. Like, I, I feel like it's, like, his least waitita mood waitita waititi movie and yeah it's weird because uh i've the only thing that i recognized in the film that's him is just the humor and i feel mm-hmm. like everything else is kind of gone um because like yeah he he does have a very interesting perspective as a filmmaker
0: yeah i think the hu- his his signature humor is definitely there. I I think maybe this is a time to tie in. You were asked curious about my feelings on Jojo Rabbit. Yeah. I think the biggest sort of flaw of this movie to me is it's it's kind of taking these wild shifts in tone. And maybe this is something we can kind of bridge to. As as much as I enjoyed Bale's performance, the movie is also trying to add this kind of like tragic bookend to his character the movie actually doesn't open with thor it opens with as you said this sort of tragic backstory to gore where his daughter dies and he meets their god and the god is like this monty python character that's just very dismissive (laughs) of him
1: and monty python is very very accurate (laughs) and
0: bale is playing that for all of its seriousness and that comes back you know that becomes this sort of fuel for his character of like i'm avenging the death of my daughter and all of the gods have forsaken us and dealing with you know i feel like that aspect of the movie is dealing with this very heavy material that kind of feels out of place or doesn't sort of ring with the same intensity i think ytd and everyone else in the movie is sort of hoping it does because most of the movie has kind of this sort of like Eh, it's Thor. It's like it's whatever. It's it's ridiculous. Like this mm. sort of shrug tone of like everything you're seeing on screen is a joke. And that yeah. even feeds into I think kind of part of even though I think Hemsworth and Natalie Portman have good chemistry together, I think where that love story suffers for me is the cancer stuff is is tragic. Like there's there's a tragic aspect to
1: which makes it better though the best love stories are tragic.
0: <laughs> right. Yeah, <I> <laughs> but then like it feels like even her having this this cancer illness and be, and dying essentially for most of the movie um and you know we should say we gave a spoiler warning she di- Jane Foster dies at the end of the movie um which side note I know I'm getting a little distracted. The one part of this movie I'm confused by is we get some exposition that the she's drawn to the hammer because Thor made a promise to the hammer to protect her if she was in danger. But then also the hammer is like accelerating her cancer diagnosis. So it's doing the opposite.
1: So yeah, the, well, the thing, okay. Um, you this know, is where Odin, I need a comic Odin's, explainer instead. <laughs> yes. And he was the all father. He, he was the one who imbued power into Mjolnir. He took Thor's power away from him. Thor kind of has that power now. Um, I, like, uh, so him saying to Mjolnir, like, you know, protect her, that's basically kind of him casting a spell into Mjolnir. Mjolnir. Mm-hmm. And, um, and so, be- I think because of that, because of his love for her, that draws her to Mjolnir. But also, like, she... She like searched it out too. Mm-hmm. She like looked into it. And then um it's kind of like all one of you know, the funny thing was like Stormbreaker, his axe being a little jealous of him wanting Mjolnir back.
0: Right. There's this whole repeating joke of like that. the <laughs> the axe that Thor currently has is jealous because Thor like wants it, it, it's almost like that's his current girlfriend and he's like longing for the ex-girlfriend which is the hammer that now Natalie Portman's character has.
1: Yeah, my friend hated that part. I'm like, "Why? That's so funny." And it's fun and like it adds kind of more to like Mjolnir as a character and just kind of like there that part of Thor's story has always been there cuz he loses his ability to wield his hammer. He's like, "Oh, I don't want Captain America to be able to wield it." And then it's like a total um, 180 when he's like, I knew he could wield it and you can use the small one. That's like one thing I didn't like about Endgame. But then the whole thing of Ragnarok was like, he, he's just like um, Kurt Russell in Big, <laughs> Big Trouble in Little China. He lost his truck, he lost his hammer. Like mm-hmm. that's literally what Taika Waititi said in every interview about it was about losing his hammer now he's someone else has his hammer um and I I really dug that and then what's interesting is in the comics Mjolnir is the only thing keeping Jane alive that's part of why she becomes mighty continues being mighty Thor um so I thought that was interesting I can't explain that except like plot (laughs) Mm -hmm. device yeah (laughs) um but I guess they're they were trying to tie in thematically, like the Necro Sword and Mjolnir, just kind of like these weapons, kind of taking something from you. Especially, I guess, because Gore and um, Natalie Portman, Jane Foster aren't are originally mortals. You know, mm-hmm. I, that's what like my guess is, just based off my comic book knowledge. But yeah, like it and that's kind of my problem with a lot of the MCU movies is like a lot of it. You really kind of have to know shit. Yeah, <laughs> and, Increasingly. <laughs> yeah. And like, that's so much work and not everyone is interested in that. Like, I remember being pissed about age of Ultron because mm-hmm. of that. Cause there was so much, like I had to explain so much shit to my friend I saw it with. And it's like, this isn't fun for either of us.
0: <laughs> that's, that's kind of the peak of these movies like getting crushed under the like that movie needs to like tie into like four movies that came before it but also set up four movies that that are going to come after it and being it's basically just like nothing but connective tissue and stuff like that um yeah but but yeah i think getting back to having sent you on a tangent to explain to me of like how the hammer stuff works like there's even the cancer stuff with natalie portman it 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 feels like it's lacking a certain weight and seriousness because the movie is just in this sort of shrug joke mode if that makes sense you know the the movie wants to have like this tragic love story it wants there to be this tragedy in gore's character but that kind of gets lost in a movie that has like screaming jokes and (laughs) like russell crowe is fat zeus making jokes about orgies and stuff like that you know you know like and it's kind of similar to why jojo rabbit doesn't really work for me of just sort of like taika's um sort of whimsical sweet but but silly tone to his comedies not really fitting with like wanting with the just the whole idea of doing a Nazi satire and something about that movie feeling toothless and something to me about when that movie does swing into seriousness, it's sort of, it feels odd or it doesn't fully hit with the same weight, at least for me, just because most of the movie has that, that more kind of airy light tone to it. And that's kind of the way I felt with this Thor movie of it is taking these kind of wild swings in tone every now and then, but it, it, none of the the serious ones do not really work and feel very odd and kind of neutered in a way i mean like portman even getting um her chemotherapy is like joking about like eh, i have cancer forget about it and i was just like what like that's a terrible thing for someone to go through like i don't need this to be like an agonizing oscar drama but like it feeling like the weight of that and the importance of that on the story getting lost amid the kind of like piles of jokes and this attitude the movie just sort of has of like, yeah, isn't Thor kind of silly and dumb and like this, this everything in here is just a joke and we all know it's a joke and are just going to kind of like say whatever to it.
1: Yeah. I mean that that's very much like, I guess his like white um, you know, through line is like, he very much finds silliness and in, in serious seriousness. Mm-hmm. So like, um, I don't necessarily mind that, and I I didn't I felt like it was it was very I I quite liked that in Jojo Rabbit just because you know it can't everyday life can't be serious like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and I also like I tr I kind of I guess I trust him to pull that off, but I do I so I totally believe that in Jojo Rabbit and like I feel like you know it's the thing of like sadness in laughter um and that is like you know i cancer runs in my family and kind of like i totally bought uh jane kind of kind of making light of it just because like for a lot of people that's the only way you can kind of deal with it so i totally bought all that like um and i <laughs> and i feel like uh I feel like it was nice because she clearly was dying mm-hmm. and like in pain and she just wanted to be able to keep going on. And I thought that was great with her character from what we saw in the first two movies, because she's a very brave person, like truly, like I was like, oh, wow, I've, I hadn't seen the movies like, you know, in 10 years. And I was really surprised with how I misjudged her character. So like I feel like um I feel like it for me it worked in the movie and I especially loved her trying to come up with a catchphrase.
0: Oh, see that was one of the jokes that did not work for me whenever really? that was coming. Yeah, that that was that was among like the the goat the goats, that was a thing that I found like really funny, like the first couple times it happens and then afterwards it was just like, Oh, get the goats out of here. Um, you know, but uh and and I did think like the the st- the ex-girlfriend stuff with the hammers and the axes. Like that was a reoccurring joke. I thought was funny every time it came up, but the Jane Foster trying to learn her catchphrases, that was one that at least personally for me did what was just like, ugh every time it, that joke came up on screen.
1: I thought it was like, I guess maybe just because I did just watch the other movies. Mm -hmm. It was very delightful. Cringe to me because her character is kind of like dorky like that around Thor And it, to me, to me, it was very delightful because Mm -hmm. she's Natalie Portman and she's beautiful and she's so talented, but she like in this universe, she's like a workaholic science nerd Mm -hmm. (laughs) who is suddenly like, she's running, running, uh, over Thor, this beautiful God (laughs) with her truck all the time. And, um, I totally bought it, uh, i i can definitely i feel like if i wasn't in that headspace of like really appreciating her character before i would have also found it like grating but it was just cringe enough where i was like oh that's cute
0: <laughs> so one thing that i definitely another thing that kind of bothered me about the movie um that i kind of wanted to bring up to you in sort of a larger conversation about the mcu mm-hmm. um I think outside of one sequence, you know, that there's sort of one kind of, I I wouldn't go far as to say like oversell as like visually dazzling sequence, but that there's one sequence kind of in the middle of the movie where they follow Gore to this moon and Mm. (laughs) do battle with these like shadow monsters on the moon and the movie turns black and white there Mm. and has all these kind of contrasting shadows and almost looks like Sin City a little bit. And they're fighting these almost kind of like stop motion looking monsters that Gore is summoning out of the, the shadows on the moon. But outside of that one sequence, that's kind of the one clear, like th- there's at least like a distinct visual choice that's being made here. I kind of thought this movie looked ugly and it, it's sort of, really? a it's sort of a problem that I'm having with a lot of the Marvel stuff. There's just sort of this, I, I thought a lot of this just had this kind of like flat gray look to it um there's obviously been a lot of discussion over the years going back far far into the mcu's history about you know the way they do their color palettes and always having these very like gray neutral tones that don't necessarily with like low contrast that really don't make the colors pop as much um but i i i don't know i'm getting this feeling especially in the this last phase of marvel movies and adding the shows into it like it feels the mcu is being a little kind of like strained a little bit and there's something (laughs) of just sort of the visual flatness of how a lot of these movies look um as well as like i thought a lot of the effects looked really bad um and there's been Pieces written in recent years. I was kind of just reading one that I randomly saw on Twitter before we hopped on. That was basically talking about like Reddit boards of people who work in the effects industry and talking about how you know there's just Reddit boards filled with these people ranting about how like Marvel is like the worst to work or the the most stressful to work with because of the insane time constraints on these movies and how much work is needing to be done and often needing multiple different versions of something because they're going to be changing things up until like the last minute going in. And really,
1: really ridiculous, especially for like literally the biggest cash cow. Right. Shit in the world, literally. And it's it's like, you can't, you, you just, you just don't care about what you're putting out now. Yeah. And so like talking
0: about how, you know, that leads to a lot of shots and stuff in the movies that look unfinished in a couple different spaces i mean even the best marvel you know even oscar winning black panther which i think is a great movie you know i think even people who like that movie would would say that the like underground train battle at the end of that movie looks looks kind of like it's from a like 2004 playstation game a little bit
1: yeah oh god um, I and so okay, there was
0: just yeah. okay go go ahead well go no ahead. just
1: the first time i watched that i rented the stand like i guess the standard version and mm-hmm. i w- i literally could not believe how bad the cgi looked in that and it really mm-hmm. made me not want to watch it again because yeah. it just looked so weird i'm glad i did in like a better resolution because yeah. you know it is really great but that was so distracting to me yeah and yeah like um i mean I the way I saw the movie, I was like kind of like front row ish mm-hmm. and my eyesight is a little weird. So, um it's kind of it's kind of hard for me to really pinpoint that sort of thing in a theater
2: mm-hmm.
1: unless it's unless I'm further back. So, I had for me, I didn't have a ton of problem with the CGI. The problem I had was like the first half of it, too mm-hmm. much stuff was happening, there were too many cuts yeah and like that really messed with me that re- that's a huge thing I hated about it, but yeah like the I imagine a lot of the c g i was really bad, but me i the thing that <laughs> took me out of it was a lot of the lighting yeah <laughs> i
0: and I think that fits into kind of like we're we're getting like super minutia into how like these blockbusters are put together, but kind of into compositing i mean there's there's even a um a Vanity Fair video that I just noticed before we logged on is kind of going viral. That it is one of those where like the director sits down with like a scene and like with marker is like circling things and is like, "Oh, this is actually a light coming from here," and "Oh, this is how we did this." Blah blah. And it's Taika Waititi and Tessa Thompson doing it, and they are kind of remarking throughout the video of like, "This kind of looks bad. This yeah. the shot doesn't look good here," or be like, "What what's up? These people are like lit differently." and stuff like that and i think a lot of that has to do with you know uh, us talking about not just the 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 cgi spectacular like pyrotechnic effects but you know scenes in this movie that looked like they were from an snl sketch or a like burger king commercial from like 2008 or something like of just sort of like this very clearly just looks like a person standing in front of like a cartoon green screen that like yeah. I know I know they they are not there and I I just had to bring it up because it it's it's been something that I've noticed in a lot of um I think slowly across the MCU movies over the year and especially as like the number of projects that they have coming out in a year has really increased. I mean, they don't just have 3 movies coming out a year, they also have three or four like tv series coming out a year and yeah. kind of hearing about these reports of you know they they're having to meet dates on a calendar and then when stuff isn't met by a date on a calendar like the dr strange movie earlier this year they're having to go back and be like okay we need to like reshoot this and stuff but the movie now has to come back by this date but we have to redo all these scenes and redo all these effects and so it it kind of doesn't surprise me if there's sort of like unfinished stuff or shots that maybe. Don't yeah. look as nice as they do. I mean, there is like a Rolling Stone interview with Sam Raimi where he was very upfront with on the Doctor Strange movie, like because of them having to reshoot stuff to now fit because the chronology of the Marvel stuff coming out on the calendar yeah. changed. Like, and he was like, B- because of the time stra- constraint we had, like I had to put in shots in the movie that like I wasn't even proud of. Of like, I would have liked more time to sort of for us to have that looking better yeah um, and so I was just curious if you had noticed that as well, and kind of i i I just sort of get this feeling like the whatever the workflow is to making these movies, it now seems is sort of slowly starting to hinder how they look on mm-hmm. so on screen and and feeling a little bit you know talking about this movie as feeling like sort of ramshackled together in terms of its tone and the jokes and and all that stuff but it feels ramshackled together it just sort of like yeah. how it looks is like a 200 million dollar blockbuster that's like one of the biggest movies of the summer
1: yeah i i feel like a lot of that could possibly be because of COVID. You know, mm-hmm. so much money had to go into just testing and making sure people weren't infected on, and I'm sure a shit ton of that went towards the, the budget, you know? Right. Um, and especially with like time constraints, there, there's no way that that's not a part of it because like the the most blatant CGI thing I, that comes out in my mind that's very recent is Black Widow. The shit in that was un, like, unbelievable. And like, I, I'm kind of of the mind of like, it. Unless the CGI is so blatantly bad that you Mm -hmm. have no anyone can notice it, I'm gonna kind of hand wave that. Just because, like, um, it's not. No matter what, it's not going to be exact. And it's not. There's, there's only so much you can only make it look so realistic. And I feel like very few movies can even do that. And I feel like with COVID and then, like you said, everything ramping up more and more things coming out. I feel like that's just kind of how it's going to be. What I cannot, what I cannot excuse is the lighting. Yeah. And like the fact that it's so obvious that you see a green screen because all the lighting and the, and like, Mise en scène and cinematography right. is the, the lighting of the of people that.
0: doesn't necessarily match the yeah. lighting on what's behind them.
1: I can like I can kind of forgive bad CGI if at least you know it makes sense mm-hmm. within the frame. um But w- with this particular movie, I didn't necessarily notice that just because of the way I saw it. Sorry, <laughs> it's okay.
0: <laughs> you like, had a better experience than it, than I did of 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 seeing it and being like, what what is what is happening someone someone needs to get kevin feige on the phone because yeah. this of, of just being like this looks even worse than the doctor strange movie and so which then like i remember there was just like scenes in that where you know a lot of the like less sam Raimi ish scenes
2: yeah
0: were sort of looked rough or like there was a whole sequence in moon night um that show where like it was Oscar Isaac on like a boat going through like the yeah. the after the afterworld um with like a CGI hippo and it looked like something from like the early 2000s in terms oh, the, of like the quality of it and i was just like what the
1: hippo what? looked great but everything <laughs> around it didn't work yeah 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 i i i imagine there's a lot of factors and um for, for me, it's kind for me personally, it's kind of like, it's a, it's a little like, well, of course it's going to be a little bad just because, I mean, you know, Lord of the Rings is like, so it's like S tier, God tier mm-hmm. in terms of CGI, but twenty twenty 20 years later, there are some parts where I'm just like, uh-uh, this don't work, baby. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but they he did just do the 4K, right? Yeah. And, and, and I and guess having- that does help.
0: Yeah. And having rewatched those pretty recently, like, you know, there's a big difference between like those and kind of the Hobbit movies, which are so green screen and so CGI heavy. And like, you know, he's he's using the computer generated effects as sort of like one tool in his or sort of one color in his sort of paint. I'm getting my... artistic (laughs) metaphors one tool in his (laughs) toolbox essentially i'm like you know he's also using a lot of like makeup and practical effects and models and even just sort of filmmaking techniques as simple as like you know we actually have the hobbit actors standing like 10 feet behind the other people but the way we have it framed it looks like they're exactly like neck and neck and then when we just lay the audio tracks over it it seems no different but that's just sort of like understanding kind of the visual language of film and yeah. and framing and stuff like that um but yeah i mean i i i i just wonder if at at a certain point we just get to like why why do these why do these movies look bad and yeah. and th- this was the, it's it's been recently that i've been sort of noticing it more and more with this most recent uh wave of of Marvel
1: projects. Yeah. I, I, I didn't necessarily have a problem with like, you know, the look of the movie or the color palettes and stuff. Um, I had, I had a, I had a much bigger issue with like a lot of the editing
2: mm-hmm.
1: um, because, you know, uh, the, where I was seated in the theater, I, it was hard for me to even just find something to focus on. Cause so much was happening. And like, I, I think that's probably because like, that was dictated by the whole Korg for some fucking reason, doing a recap of Thor's life when we already know Thor, that could have gone.
0: The only time that really worked for me is when they were like, well, here's, here's what happened with him and Jane's relationship. Like that's actually my favorite part of the movie. I thought the funniest part of the movie, but yeah, I, I agree with you when it sort of opens and it's like, yeah, let's you remember Thor. Well, no, did you not see the other three? Well, now we have to like d- do three yeah. different scenes to like re-explain to you who Thor is and and that just being another moment of like we really are so deep in the weeds of the MCU of we need like massive backstory exposition <laughs> dumps Which in each we, of these movies. We
1: don't like all we needed to know was he's he's with the Guardians now. He's no longer fat <laughs> mm-hmm. and he misses Jane. He, yeah. and he need and the whole thing of he, you know, he needs love. Like all the quick shots of him, like kissing different, like women. I didn't need that. Cause like, I barely even, it barely registered to me. It happened so fast. And it, that really annoyed me, which is also really fucking annoying because I just watched you know, everything, everywhere, all at once, which is very mm. fast. Yes. Brilliant editing. And it's like, I can I can uh, visually understand this very easily. I could not with this movie, at least in the first part. And like, and it's because of just the way it's constructed because the stupid recap, unbelievable. I could have done without that. But like you said, the the one part you said, that was great. That was great. Yeah.
0: So... Do you maybe want to talk about in-credit sequences, which maybe for, for people hunting for Thor content is all they're really interested in us for recapping? The
1: the end credits? Yeah. I don't remember what happened. Can you remind me? Oh,
0: perfect. Well, that all that's also a tease into the end credits kind of suck. Um, but first in credits was basically um I actually forget what the order is, but one of them is we we're reintroduced in to Russell Crowe's uh, Zeus right, character. Right. And <laughs> I guess it's teeing up that like Zeus versus Thor is going to be the next big it, movie. They're
1: going to introduce Hercules, who is a big Marvel character. Right, he, right. I, he, and he's very canonically like gay. Him and Thor are buddies. Like, that was really unnecessary. And I yeah. didn't even recognize the actor for Thor or for, I'm sorry for Hercules. So I was just kind of like, who cares? Brett Goldstein,
0: <laughs> who is, is on um, Ted Lasso. Uh, I don't,
1: I don't have, what's that Apple TV? I don't yeah. I I, 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 I don't show. watch
0: Ted Lasso, but I, I did recognize him and a friend of mine who uh, was really into Ted Lasso, like got, <laughs> got excited at, at his reveal. I, I, I feel like you mentioned you enjoyed the, section of the movie with Russell Crowe. Did did you I, did you enjoy him as Fat Zeus?
1: <laughs> I I automatically I always enjoy Russell Crowe. Um I I thought it was interesting. I kind of he kept doing like a Mario accent, which was funny. <laughs> I've seen um, a lot of people
0: compare it to the Jared Leto House of Gucci Accent of like (laughs) I don't I don't know what it is I guess it's Greek but it's all I also saw comparisons to like John Belushi doing the like cheeseburger 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 (laughs) SNL sketch um it it is sort of like vaguely somewhere in the Mediterranean is like what the accent is
1: vaguely yeah I I thought I thought that part was funny and I liked all the banter and stuff in that scene I wish there I wish there was more because i you know i i read the comics i was really hoping there was more of a bigger presence of the god like the gods letting their people down Mm -hmm. and i was really looking forward to that um and then again like i i i was trying to you know pick out like some of the gods in the big uh in their little seat their little un seats and like it cut so fast i could barely make out who was whom and yeah uh i it sounds like there was maybe a lot
0: more god butchering left on the the cutting room floor because there were all those headlines of like um lena headley was cut out of the movie and like peter dinklage was also in it so and taika waititi saying there's maybe like a four-hour cut of this somewhere Mm. and so it's sounding like You know, I don't I don't know that that's necessarily (laughs) ever going to get released, but or that I necessarily even want a four hour version of this movie. But it, it does sound like a lot of what you were kind of like hungering for of more of like, no, I want more of like the hierarchy of the gods and more getting into this sort of like existential like clash of the titans as part of the movie that's like the gods have forsaken us and christian bale's character being like i will now rid the world of of all the gods and that kind of thematically heavy thing kind of gets a little flushed out the toilet and i i don't know even that sequence with like i i enjoy whenever russell Crowe wants to be funny as as someone who enjoyed uh the Nice Guys the movie Nice Guys
1: is like a perfect movie yeah this is um, a Nice Guys Stan house
0: <laughs> um but it, that that even was like not to harp too much on the point I made earlier that even was a sequence that like kind of looked bad in places and I was like why does like Zeus's thunderbolt look like a plastic prop from like my high school play or something yeah. like
1: that yeah uh. <laughs> Uh-huh. but I feel like every Greek Roman movie no matter I feel like no matter what it's any prop like that is gonna kind of look like that unless mm-hmm. it's gladiator uh yeah like I I kept I his his little armor thing was so clearly like a molding mm-hmm. and it was just kind of like uh, I don't love that but I I, he's very great actor. I was very charmed by him, and I guess yeah. that kind of made that kind of gave me blinders to, like, kind of how the scene looked. But it, again, like, it it was hard for me to really focus on like more background stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, literally, if I was sitting in my normal seat that I would have chosen <laughs> and not my best friend, like, I would have had a much better like per- peripheral of that. Yeah. But um yeah, it I did laugh, you know, his little like yeah. tutu not tutu, his little tennis skirt thing. And now kind of looking back, I'm like, oh, that's a little like cheap humor. Like, why did I find that funny? Yeah. You know? <laughs> it, it
0: feels like a scene that's maybe going on like a little longer than it, it needs did, to be. Um for sure. but but it he certainly is very funny in it. Um there was definitely a lot of like raised eyebrows a bit at the reoccurring joke of like i'm not inviting you to the orgy that that happens in it which which was sort of of like i I don't necessarily want to be the like pearl clutching church lady on on the podcast about like this content shouldn't be in a movie but but that was just like an unusually kind of like dirty joke for a marvel movie that i think like the the press screening audience i was with like kind of chuckled at it at first and then like when it kept coming back to like russell crowe just like really wants to get to an orgy people were just like what this is just odd that this like one joke is just being like really like hammered in over the head even though like russell crowe's performance is like pretty funny in this it it was more like the audience wasn't necessarily like turned off by it but just sort of like oddly perplexed by that joke
1: well it's very like it's very kind of a spit in the face Mm -hmm. like Especially like you know um, with like queer representation in the Marvel movies and in Disney mm-hmm. movies in general, and it's like you you can pe- like you know in Doctor Strange it, the movie can't be shown in like some countries because there you just see her two mom America's two moms,
2: mm-hmm. and yet
1: there there's a f- orgy 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 said like within two minutes you know. And it's, and it's very, it's very ridiculous. And it's, it kind of reminds me of like the whole thing of, oh, you can't, uh, you can't sexualize kids. You can't, kids can't know that they're, um, kids can't know that they're gay at such a young age. And at the same time, sexualize their straight kids. Like, oh, he's a lady killer kind of thing. Yeah. Look who has a little girlfriend. It's like, it's okay to sexualize kids and kid things if it's straight but Mm -hmm. but
0: an odd comparison of like the content that does sort of get like this is really like making headlines in the disney offices versus like this this maybe isn't i mean again i don't i don't want to necessarily come off as pearl as church church lady about it but it the audience i was with like was not necessarily like roaring with laughter at that was just sort of like this joke like kind of isn't landing and it's sort of odd that they keep coming back to it it Uh,
1: i i feel like like it totally makes sense with zeus's character because like right what it what is the saying not even the crack of dawn is safe from zeus (laughs) and like um but like yeah it it didn't land well and it's just also like okay what what is the line in these kids movies
2: um
1: and then, but I guess like there there was a lot of like queer stuff in the movie. I know a lot of people were saying there weren't, but I I picked up a lot of stuff. I mean the which I really what, what happens to Korg?
0: Korg gets to hold hands underneath the yes. volcano.
1: And then, you know, we actually do get a confirmation that, you know, uh the Valkyrie that saves Valkyrie. What is her actual name, by the way? I don't, we never I don't know. learn. And literally he calls her Val. And then and then did did you catch the whole thing with Heimdall's son? No. So Heimdall's son, you know, it like another big theme in this movie is just guns and roses.
0: Yes. I, and lots of guns and roses. So cool. Music.
1: <laughs> but um no, so Heimdall's son, who has the same powers as Heimdall, uh, Idris Elba's character from the previous movies, has Axl Rose stuff and um is kidnapped by gore
2: mm-hmm.
1: and thor summons him and calls him astrid and he's like no no mm-hmm. i'm going by axel now it's a really cool name from this band here on earth no you have a strong viking name you're astrid and then later you know thor does call him axel the thing mm-hmm. is though astrid is a gir- is traditionally a girl's name huh so and and it's like oh okay so what is that saying and then at the end where just even the topic of someone saying no call me by this name and then this other person pushing back on it and then calling them by the new name that is very very you know in the vein of like what happens to like trans kids and stuff and trans people Mm -hmm. and it's like and then the fact that it goes from a girl's name to a boy's name well kind of a boy's name Axel's a part of a car (laughs) and Axel Rose is just a pseudonym for a rock star and is literally like what is it an anagram of oral sex so (laughs) Mm -hmm. (laughs) but like uh that was very like whoa and it I feel like it was sneaky enough that like probably the big people at Disney didn't catch that (laughs) but to me it's very clearly like Something there that's not straight or cis, and I was very happy about that
0: <laughs> so the last post credit scene, I guess is oh, more yes. of a a shawarma um post credit scene it's but one that did kind of annoy me it's essentially Jane Foster, after we have oh, tragically yeah. seen her die, she arrives at the gates of Valhalla and is greeted by idris elba's character who died in the previous movie and i i don't know it it just sort of like rubbed me a little the wrong way of like all right this movie can't even you already haven't really been able to land with me this sort of like tragic death at the end of your movie and now you don't even have the gumption of being like we can't let the audience go more than 10 minutes without reminding them like it's okay everyone she's she's dead but she's not really dead like look natalie portman she's smiling she's with idris elba and and it just sort of being this thing of like i don't know i know this is a cop but like you don't pull the card of like have the tragic ending and then in the end credits be like but surprise everything is peaches and cream at at the end of like that that just sort of seems to me to be a little like Condescend like low faith of your audience if that makes sense
1: that's so interesting because i mean like valhalla is like you know the viking version of heaven like she's mm-hmm. dead i don't i don't think yeah. anyone would be like she's not dead but i i took it as you know she died because of she was the only way you can get into valhalla is when you b- die in battle she didn't mm-hmm. die fighting gore she died in a battle with cancer Mm-hmm. So I took that as like very sweet, um, and a really really nice, just a just a really nice thing because yeah like cancer is a bitch and it literally is a battle, you know, against yeah. like your body is literally like killing itself in so many ways. So uh, I I very I you know. Like, like I said, like cancer runs in my family. I really appreciated that. Like, that's my perspective on it. So, but, 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 but but, I will say, I did uh just watch the Northmen also. And they do have a Valkyrie leading someone to Valhalla. And I was like, why couldn't you do it like that? Why couldn't you do actually a cool thing? But then Why again, can't the a winged horse rider
0: up there? Yeah, <laughs>
1: like I, I the, I love the sentiment of it, but also like of some of the Viking knowledge I know is like, wait, how can you get to Valhalla if you don't have a Valkyrie to lead you there when all the Valkyrie are dead, except the one Valkyrie who apparently her name is Valkyrie. Yeah, <laughs> yeah.
0: <laughs> Mar- yeah. Marvel's gonna call you for uh, consulting on. They should on, on the next. They, they need
1: they need to call me for consulting on comic books and uh these jurassic world and all of hollywood needs to call me to consult on uh horse stuff because i was i was so mad watching stupid chris pratt try and rope a stupid dinosaur it wouldn't have worked and i would have told them that and then their movie would have been perfect
0: we just need to put the dinosaurs away for a while. I think I think that's that's, that's where I'm landing with those movies. Um, before we wrap up, do you have a, kind of any final Thor thoughts? Um, final MCU thoughts? Um, are you with me that this movie actually should have been called Thor, spelled T H O, the l- number four?
1: No, God, no! <laughs> this this is not this is not Fast and the Furious it's not it's just not (laughs) okay (laughs) but um overall I I don't think it was a I don't think it was a great movie I like I think it was passable and I think that's okay you know I, I yeah like I I see a lot of like the all of this stuff about you know the you know Scorsese saying the Marvel Wait, movies leave superhero the movies. man
0: alone
1: <laughs> like well I see him saying like it's not cinema and it's like yeah he he is like the cinema god like he has a very valid opinion on that and then and it's like obviously it's like not great high art you know Black Panther you know possibly could be but uh I think it's completely okay for superhero movies to just be fun mm-hmm. and like most of them are bad what's there's nothing wrong with this one being bad so i don't i don't really see a lot of use of suddenly people calling like superhero movie fans stupid for pushing back on what Scorsese said like i think he was right but i don't think it's fair to then vilify superhero fans because not uh, uh, It's, like, the most popular genre of the last, what, two, like, decade? Two
0: decades, pretty much, yeah. like, basically,
1: the majority of people are superhero fans in some way, and it's silly to think that it's, like, niche, and then, like, vilify people who like it. Yeah, so I was kind of annoyed by that, and it's like, it's okay for the fucking Marvel movie to be bad, Yes. (laughs) Yes. <laughs> but I also, I really like campy bad movies. So, like, I'm mm-hmm. definitely going to rewatch this. And I want to also just because, like, just to try to wrap my head around the beginning. But, like, it was bad, but it was fun. And I think that's okay. Like, because it's fucking Marvel movies. They're not great <laughs> movies, they're just popcorn movies. Yeah, that's my two cents. <laughs>
0: Yeah, it's probably like a what, 3 out of 5 star movie for me of like is is not th- this is not the bottom tier of of Marvel movie, but this this is um I I don't know. What I I I think I said it best earlier of just sort of saying like I'm mixed on it. I'm I'm very mixed on it. There's parts of it that are funny and and sort of delightfully silly. Um there are other parts of it that kind of hit, hit with a thud or are trying to make swings into dramatic territory, um, that I don't really think work. And, you know,
1: I loved the goats, the goats made it for me. Uh, cause I love goats and I just, every time, every fucking time they screamed, I laughed like an idiot. And, uh, I, I would give it probably like two and a half, three stars, yeah. but, um one and a half of that is because of the goats.
0: <laughs> That's fair. Yeah. Uh well, Bailey Joe, thank you for, for joining again this week. And thank you for um teaching me about Viking mythology.
1: <laughs> oh no. <laughs> Which maybe would have been helpful
0: on the on the Northman episode when I was just like, I don't know, Vikings seem like nutty yeah. people. <laughs> All right, before we wrap things up today, wanted to take a minute to reflect on some tragic news from this past week. Uh we lost two great actors. Uh most notably we lost actor James Kahn. Uh gosh, one of the one of the legends of kind of 1970s cinema. I mean, kind of was in that sort of bridge between kind of old Hollywood and the new Hollywood of the 1970s, most known for uh playing Sonny Corleone in The Godfather, uh, the hot-headed older son who is sort of seen as kind of the the one to take up the battalion from uh, Marlon Brando's character, but tragically dies in halfway through the movie, I guess, spoiler there, if you haven't seen The Godfather, it's 50 years old. But James Caan is just someone who has, I, I, I just always think of him as someone who has this, like incredible presence and incredible magnetism to him um and just this incredible gravitas but also there is something gentle under the surface you know he he is represents this sort of like working class american guy um who you know on the outside seems a little rough around the edges but you know you chisel down underneath there, and there's there's often some 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 pain there, some wound. look back at any of his movies from the seventies and eighties I mean, arguably one of the most handsome men who has ever been in american movies um i obviously the Godfather is kind of the i I think the signature role for him i mean even i I saw so many pieces and so many. Um, posts with people reflecting on his career talking about how even though he's only in kind of the first half of that movie his presence kind of still looms over not just that movie but kind of the whole trilogy um, in general and his his losses is is so notable and so tragic you know I just remember kind of watching that that movie for the first time when uh, I was a teenager and you know you have this this great cast. And I mean, one of the kind of like great trick of that movie really is kind of like Pacino is not the most kind of like, you know, charismatic person in that, that cast. And that ends up being who sort of succeeds in this family crime dynasty. And, you know, you fire that movie up for the first time and it's really Khan who like leaps off the screen and has such this charisma and is so like strikingly handsome and is tough and is able to kind of like throw his arm around this family and kind of corral them uh in in a moment of crisis i think also for people of my generation and as well as probably the generation below us it's it's interesting to think that elf is <laughs> probably the the second most notable film in his filmography now that's become such a huge Christmas classic in a lot of ways. Um, but two other James Con performances that I wanted to bring up or, are, or, are, are three really, um, something that was really strange and surreal was reading the news and the night pr- prior I had rewatched misery, which is a 1990 movie based off the Stephen King bestseller about, uh, an author who Con plays who, Uh, Gets in a car accident and becomes temporarily paralyzed, but is is taken in and held hostage by a crazed fan (laughs) played by Kathy Bates. And it's just like a really efficient, lean, kind of like under two hour contained thriller essentially um where Khan is is basically i mean it, it moves so much of the movie is just two-hander between him and kathy bates and kathy bates obviously won an oscar for her performance and that's e- easily i i think her most iconic role but um con's doing a lot and having to like portray a lot of empathy uh underneath the the surface and is like confined to a bed for most of the movie um but two two other great ones that i wanted to mention um, Thief, which is the incredible uh Michael Mann crime thriller um from the early 80s. Michael Mann, the one of the you know, shepherders of Miami Vice and directed heat and collateral and all these great crime movies. And this is one of his early films that is this like neon drenched, very moody, tangerine dream scored. Uh, crime thriller where James Khan essentially plays a professional thief in Chicago who uh has some folks uh stab him in the back essentially and um he has to get his payback um just i, I th- this to me is like if godfather is i think like his quintessential performance this is maybe my second favorite um Khan performance um Another great one being uh, "The Gambler," uh, which was remade into a movie about ten years ago, I guess, with Mark Wahlberg. Um, I, I honestly haven't seen that one and have heard it's not very good. But um, the James Con version from the seventies is quite good, with him playing a a man with a dangerous gambling addiction that um, drastically causes him to go further and further uh, down a spiral of self-destruction um so just at someone who was a really unique presence in the movies and was such a like integral part of so many great iconic classic movies and worked with so many iconic actors and so many iconic directors um and we'll 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 be missed um and then you know uh, over the weekend we lost um Tony Sirico from The Sopranos who played Polly Walnut's kind of one of the more comedic and fun actors of that show um I'm of course a huge fan of The Sopranos if you haven't listened back to uh the episode roll on Belogan, Logan and I did when the uh Sopranos prequel movie came out and we talked all about how how much we both adore that show. So really, just tragic news that this past week, especially on top of losing Ray Liotta a few months back, and Philip Baker Hall, and just all all of these kind of great actors who, if not were weren't were always the stars, in movies were sort of these like incredible side memorable side characters who could really just like take hold of a scene or that you always just sort of instinctively knew you were in great hands whenever one of them was uh, was in a movie or in a TV show. So just wanted to take a few moments before we wrapped up to kind of uh, stay tuned. In the coming weeks, uh, we'll be discussing things like The Gray Man, the Netflix blockbuster spy movie starring Ryan Gosling and Chris Evans, as well as Jordan Peele's new I guess alien invasion thriller, nope. Um, So stay tuned to those and even more as we dig through the summer months and gradually make our way to the fall.